Hello and welcome in. I am Greg Smith, Senior Recruiting Analyst here at Inside Nebraska, and welcome in to a special edition of our Coach Search Hot Topics. Um, I am joined by National Analyst uh, Clint Cosgrove here at Rivals. Clint, first things first, man, how are you? I am great. How are you, man? I'm doing well. This is It's the busy time now that is figured oh, to not slow down <laughs> until what, uh, the early signing period is over, maybe? I think this is like our Yeah, hopefully. Up. Um, yeah, I'm exhausted like, already. So <laughs> yeah, and like you guys, know, well, here you can see it here. I've got the giant coffee, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Preemptively exhausted. Now, as you guys know, we here on this YouTube channel, we've been doing kind of hot topics around Nebraska's coaching search, um, and really focused on the football side of things. But obviously, we also cover recruiting quite well um, too. So I wanted to bring Clint in to kind of talk about kind of this big topic of what Nebraska needs in a future coach um, that could be hired, you know, within a week here, uh, most likely from a recruiting perspective, like what are the things that Nebraska needs to be looking for on the recruiting trail, um, kind of from the national perspective. So I want to start here, Clint, because this comes up quite a bit um, with kind of fans on our insiders board. Like, does it matter? Does Nebraska's new coach need to have specific areas of the country that he's good in? And if so, what do those need to be? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of ways to look at this. I think you definitely have to identify a footprint and you have to recruit accordingly. Uh, if you're just kind of spotting here and there, you at least have to make your presence felt in whatever areas those are. Now, there's some obvious areas, uh, you know, Kansas City, maybe St. Louis, uh, Chicago, uh, you know, this kind of regional type thing where you know in illinois there's there's a lot of good players and in the yeah in the past they've been up for grabs so uh i feel that nebraska could do a much better job in illinois and they've really started ramping that up since uh you know mickey's been in charge um i think that is a a formula a winning formula that they can continue to use uh same thing with kansas city you know you got dawson this class st louis so the low-hanging uh fruit for sure but at the same time, you're going to have to go out, and if you want to build Nebraska back to what it has been in the past, you're going to have to win some battles. Uh, and you're going to have to go after some big-time dudes, um, just like they have with you know guys like Amarion Miller right now. And so that's where your staff makeup, I think, really comes into it. So you have your footprint, but then you also hire a staff, assemble a staff accordingly that can allow you to go and get big wins elsewhere. And I think really that is the blueprint moving forward, uh, whatever your footprint is, whatever mileage it is. And then you hire, uh, you know, accordingly to get into these other areas that are going to be crucial for your success moving forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, and I you're, you're spot on about to me about kind of <laughs> Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago, I think are, are three spots that Nebraska could just stand to do like much, much better in. Um, and it has been more of a and this, it sounds so weird when I say this out loud. And when you say it to people, they're like, I can't believe this, that it really had those areas have been kind of spot recruited by Nebraska yep. in the last a handful of years, uh, more than a handful of years, which is kind of it, it's odd to me it just on the big picture level is that those are kids that are a being recruited by every a lot of schools around the country so you go in like they're like solid kids that are like you mentioned in chicago especially illinois where there's just a lot of talent that is up for grabs particularly in that state now i'm from that state so i understand this even more <laughs> is that kids don't grow up wanting to go to u of i or northwestern like it's not really yep. a thing and so you're there you're more likely to run into people that want to go to notre dame or michigan 
but it's not always that those kids are at the level of Notre Dame or Michigan, right? Exactly. So you end up in this weird thing where, like you said, people are kids are really up for grabs. And so Nebraska going into that state and really focusing in on Kansas City, which has continued to develop. They're not, they're still not at the level of St. Louis when it comes to depth of talent, but they are on the rise. Like it is definitely there's elite talent. Yeah, there's elite (laughs) talent there. And what you're starting to also see is that there's a lot more of the like specialized training and stuff going on in Kansas City now too, which is going to also continue to help rise the talent there as well. Um, And my last point about that kind of footprint is that's where the teams that you play recruit. And I'm just such a big believer in you've got to eventually win recruiting battles against the teams that you play so that not only are you getting players that are comparable, right? You're also taking players away from them that can then hurt their program in the long run when you go and play them. And I just feel like that hasn't happened enough. Yeah, I mean, back in the day when Nebraska was a powerhouse, granted there were more scholarships, they would literally take the guys they wanted and then they'd take the guys they didn't want to play against as well. And I'm sure that those guys ended up being, you know, pretty good players in their (laughs) own right. Now, you can't really do that today with scholarship limits, but at the same time, like you said, you want to win those battles. And um, you can't be afraid to go up against the best for the best players. Uh, But at the same time, you got to do a great job evaluating, Mm -hmm. uh, getting in on kids early, and really making an impression. And, uh, you know, there's a little buzz about Nebraska in the Midwest uh, because mm-hmm. kids are getting offers. Offers are going out, and uh, they're going out to good players. Uh, and then the other thing that I didn't touch on is you obviously you want to build that that fence around the state. You do not yes. want to lose a Power 5 caliber kid from in-state. And uh, Nebraska football is getting better. I, I was up at that game uh, when Lincoln East played Gretna. Um, there was dudes on the field. Oh, yeah. um, so – I mean, there's there, there's good football in state. You, you want to lock that down. Choose the areas you're going to spot for elite talent. Go after the elite talent in St. Louis, Kansas City, Chicago, and then uh, hire a staff uh, that has strong connections that can get you into areas that otherwise you cannot. Uh, not just anybody can go into St. Louis and recruit the car. <laughs> right. You need someone into, that's a dead a guy to go do that. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing with New Orleans. You know, yeah. you can't just go down there and steal top talent unless they trust you unless you are, you know, you have been recruiting the area and you're pretty plugged in. So that's important as as far as your staff makeup goes too, but just being very calculated, uh, you know, taking a look at your own roster and recruiting accordingly. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the the in-state talent because that kind of leads perfectly to another big topic that I wanted to hit before we get out of here, which is kind of recruiting versus development, right? And they kind of go hand in hand and it's been a really big topic around here, especially towards the end of the Frost era. And as you've watched Nebraska football play um, throughout this season and a way, the reason I think this ties into in-state and what you're talking about, about not letting power five guys get out of the state is that yes, that's 100% true. You also need to do a better job of evaluating and then developing those guys that are fringe guys within the state, because you are more likely to get those guys and then, hey, they need to go on the shelf for a couple of years with the new strength and conditioning staff there'll be a new strength and conditioning staff as well which i feel like i'm always mentioning in these videos because i think that that is low-key so important i'm gonna find a way to do a whole thing on it that. is very um, important yeah it's like so important um but if you yeah you get like it's, and it's kind of the model and it's interesting i know people get sensitive about this but iowa and wisconsin they do the same thing right where they put up the border around the state and they get these guys that aren't like highly recruited and they're not the top end guys of their class but they end up kind of you know developing 
developing over a couple of years. And then all of a sudden they've got this depth, especially on the, say the offensive line where you're just rolling guys in because they've developed them and you've got to have those developers on the staff. But I guess, what are your thoughts about being able to have that recruiting eye, but also the development and the identification too on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I think they all go hand in hand in hand. And, uh, you know, they're, they're one big part of an equation. So, uh, I look at the player development twofold. One, it helps in recruiting. If I know that my mm-hmm. son is going to go there or if I'm going to go to a program, I'm going to get the best of everything, whether it be mental, physical, coaching, development. you got to have those things in place. Uh, there's, it's more than just going into the weight room and going to practice okay. now. You know, that this, this, uh, this new world of recruiting, uh, this new world of college football with the opportunities in NIL, you want to find ways to make your program attractive that I know that I am going to go there. I am going to have success, whether I'm an impact player on the field or not. And I'm going to develop not only as an athlete, not only as a player, but as a person. And so you've got to have that infrastructure in place. Strength program, no brainer. Coaches, players spend more time with the strength coach probably than any other coach on staff. Um, You know, as far as, uh, you know, mental stuff, how are we preparing the kids mentally? How do we make them, uh, have a better chance at overcoming adversity? Um, are there programs in place to help them secure NIL deals to, you know, profit off of their name, image, and likeness? Uh, are there, you know, community service opportunities? All of these things, when you talk player development, um, the first thing you think of is, you know, the coaching and the strength program. And those are two of the most key components, but this is all about developing the player fully. Once, if you are developed and well-rounded in every area, your chances for success are much higher. So I think the player development part is huge in terms of not only once the kids are in there, making the most out of them, getting the most out of them, demanding their best kind of like the military does they give you no chance you're going to be the best or you're not going to be part of the military and um so i think it's twofold having the player development piece in place knowing that a player is going to go somewhere whether i'm the best athlete in the country or a borderline fringe guy i'm going to leave way better and i'm going to have an opportunity to reach my max potential because this program is going to offer that to me I think it's it's huge, uh, not only once they're there, but also before they're there as a way to get them in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is something above, like, as we kind of think about Nebraska and where they're going with their recruiting and a new coaching staff and all of that, I think that that would be just so huge if they, if Nebraska could get, get to the place or back to the place to where you know, and it's a recruiting selling point that we're going to develop you. Um, and that's where kind of then we haven't even mentioned this of getting to, hey, we've developed you now into an NFL player that also ends up being a part of it. Right. It's another part of that equation oh, yeah. um, where like you just you just get the benefit of the doubt. And it's not just the benefit. It's the benefit of the doubt from recruits when they're looking at your school. It's a rec- it's benefit of the doubt from fans. It keeps fans off your back. Right. <laughs> when you yeah. know, like no one's questioning, like if a guy, you know, if a three star running back that is not highly recruited goes to Wisconsin. Their fans are not saying, oh, man, I can't believe we took this guy. It's, oh, yeah, they see something in him and they'll develop him and make him into the yeah. next insert running back X that they have. <laughs> yeah. right? And so those th- and those things help. It all matters. Um, and why I, it, I just think it'll be so interesting to see kind of the we've talked a lot about the, the staff makeup for the next coach. Everybody's focused on kind of who that coach will be the head coach. But that staff makeup is going to be so crucial and critical to get a blend and a balance of guys like a Mickey Joseph 
with that are, you know, known as big time recruiters and also coaches and then guys that are known for development as well. Like it's going to that part of it, I think people have learned is going to be really, really something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, if I'm putting together a staff, I'm looking for guys who are the best at recruiting, <laughs> the best at coaching, <laughs> the best at developing. Uh, you, you know, there's no reason that a coach can't be a great recruiter and a great coach. Now, I understand right. you got to have a couple guys who aren't necessarily maybe your coordinators who are going to be the X's and O's guys. Uh, they spend their time organizationally. Um, and then, you know, but but the rest of the players, a position coach, they better be able to coach up their position. They better be detail and oriented technique. And I think a lot of that stuff carries over to recruiting as well. The other thing that I, you know, I wanted to touch on real quickly when it comes to player development is if you are do a great job of developing players, you start sending walk-ons to the NFL. And that's how you really uh, mm -hmm. build that fence around the state. Uh, you got a kid who's grown up wanting to play for Nebraska their entire life. Maybe they only get group of five offers. They're willing to pass up that opportunity knowing that if I go to Nebraska, uh, they will develop me and I will have a chance to go to the NFL in the end. And uh, when you see that start happening, uh, you know, as a big time recruit, you're like, well, if those guys can go there and develop like that, right. <laughs> imagine what I can do. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why like, there's just so many layers to this discussion and why it's such a fascinating thing and why I wanted to have you on. And I definitely appreciate you uh, jumping on for this. And we'll definitely have to do it again because yeah. <laughs> we'll have a whole new can of worms once a coach <laughs> is named. Um, and then you start to get some assistants come in and, and kind of think about like where they need to take the the, the finish to this recruiting class. Because, oh, by the way, if we are, you know, finishing up a 2023 recruiting class. Crazy. Um, and boy, we're we're now inside of a month until the, the beginning of of the early signing period, um, which as both of us kind of shake our heads, we're like, I can't believe it's here already. Um, so that's going to do it for us on this video. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can continue getting uh, this digital content directly into your feed. Uh, for Clint Cosgrove, I am Greg Smith. We will catch you guys next time.